all of those who are, are new with us and don't know a bit about our church journey, this church was birthed by a group of really faithful individuals who responded to the call in the early 1960s to plant a church in what was then known as the far-off garden suburb of Meadowridge. Um, that was back in the days when Kersenoff still had dirt roads and everything around it. And they started with a Sunday school. I think it was an Edison Drive in the Lee's home here in Edison Drive, a Sunday school in a garage um, just down the road. And it was just only a couple of months before they had more than 50 children who were meeting in that garage, and they had to have more space. And then I think they moved to another bigger garage down there in Rutherford Circle or something. But it was in, a couple of years later, in 1970, that uh, our church was then officially constituted as a Baptist church. And there have been many changes in the past 50 years. But our objectives as a church and our statement of belief, they have remained the same. The objectives of this church, there are three objectives of this church. And they are, number one, to glorify the Lord Jesus, the head of the church. Number two, to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed in the scriptures and to encourage and support the proclamation of that gospel to the ends of the earth. And thirdly, to provide instruction and fellowship for believers seeking to build them up in the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, it's really important for us to, to know what we stand for and what God is saying to us and calling us to be as a local church. And a few years ago, the elders of our church spent a lot of time waiting on the Lord to determine the direction that we are going on as a local church and to better understand what they believe the Lord is calling us to focus on as a local church. And what emerged from that was those four core values that you see there on the wall. Um, four core values that they believed were deeply important for us as Connect Church. They are what we believe God has called us to be. And they actively direct what we are doing as a local church. All of those values are rooted in God's word and aligned with those objectives that I shared with you earlier. And in a nutshell, those core values can be summarized there as being a a spirit-filled living, seeing people come to faith in Jesus, being a kingdom community, and extending the gospel, extending the church beyond our immediate community um, to every community and culture. And today I want to speak about our core value of being a kingdom community. Like, What does this really mean for us? What do we understand by this? What does it mean for us to be a kingdom community? And I thought it would be helpful just to, to briefly share like eight foundational truths about the kingdom. And it's not an exhaustive list, but they're just eight foundational truths I want to really briefly share with you. Um, and then from that, what that then looks like for us um, as a community. And the very first one is that good news that Jesus proclaimed was that God was restoring his kingdom in other words, his dynamic rule and reign in the world today. Matthew 4 verse 17 says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Secondly, flowing on from that, the mission of Jesus was to bring the kingdom of God into the world and people can now enter it. 
The two scriptures I want to read there, Luke 22, verse 29 says, And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me. And in John 3, verse 3 to 5, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Now none of us can enter God's kingdom until we are first forgiven our sin. And Jesus' unique death on the cross made this forgiveness possible for us. It is his, Jesus' unique, sinless human life offered up on the cross that bore God's just judgment upon our sin and ensured our forgiveness. The mission of Jesus was to bring the kingdom of God into this world. And the amazing truth for all of us here is that people can now enter it. The gospel is meant to bring radical transformation into this present world as more and more people are empowered to live by the Holy Spirit now as God's light or it has become a very dark world. And wherever people hear the message of the kingdom and they submit their lives to the good and loving rule of Christ, the kingdom of God advances in the world. And that is something that is so exciting that we now get to enter into it. The kingdom arrived with Jesus. It continues to advance worldwide through the proclamation of his church. We're one day going to see it fully realized when Jesus returns at his second coming. The third foundational point is that Jesus' life and Jesus' teaching is the foundational reference point for us for kingdom living. John 14 verse 12 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I wonder if we've ever fully taken time to just sit with that verse and everything that it means for us. Because even though Jesus was and is truly God, he had to lay aside his divine glory when he came among us and took on our humanity. And he freely chose to do his ministry as a man exercising faith in the Father, just as we have to do, relying on the Holy Spirit to give him the gifts, the guidance, the power that he needed to fulfill his Father's calling. And in so doing, Jesus was a true model for us. And we can learn so much from the four Gospels about the way that Jesus ministered. He announced the kingdom, he taught about the kingdom, he demonstrated the kingdom, and that, friends, is our model. And then fourthly, citizens of the kingdom should progressively demonstrate and exemplify the kingdom in this world. There's two scriptures I want to read there. Daniel 7 verse 18 says, The holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, well, what Jesus did for us on the cross, it's absolutely unique to himself as the one who never committed sin, and that never needs to be repeated. But he also plainly trained his disciples to proclaim the good news of the kingdom in exactly the same way that he did. There wasn't something that was just for the 12 apostles. It was for his whole church. 
and it is this ministry proclaiming the truth of God while also demonstrating at times that inbreaking power of God that extends his kingdom. And we as followers of Jesus, we get the amazing privilege of being commissioned and empowered by the Spirit of God to do the works of the kingdom. I mean, I, sometimes just, not sometimes, it always blows my mind that God created us as humanity to be responsible for the exercise of his kingdom on earth. You know, once we come to faith in Jesus Christ, once we submit to that, that good and loving rule of Christ in our lives, once we're filled with his Holy Spirit, we can exercise kingdom authority as Jesus did. Now, obviously, we always do, the, do this overtly in his name so that any supernatural work we accomplish in partnership with his Holy Spirit is always going to point to Jesus, always pointing to Jesus and always glorifying him as Lord of that kingdom. But the fifth truth is that the message of the kingdom of God does anticipate signs, wonders, miracles, and the transformed lives of people. Acts 4, 29-30 says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Paul says in Corinthians, My message, my preaching, they were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5 we read, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. And then in Romans 15:17, he says, I glory in Jesus Christ and my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me and leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus' words and his actions in the Gospels and then those of the many Jesus followers that we see recorded in the book of Acts, they give us numerous pictures of what proclaiming and what demonstrating the kingdom looks like. And it looks like this. Healing the sick, healing the, the lame and the blind, declaring forgiveness, confronting sin and religious superiority, speaking boldly to civil authorities, and just working humbly behind the scenes, and so much more, and so much more. And then another truth is that living as a kingdom community, it demands a constant and an intentional dependence on the Holy Spirit. When we are born again, the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead comes to renew and live in our lives. And it is that presence and gift of the Holy Spirit that makes this new kingdom life possible for each one of us. Because when we are spiritually born again, we are empowered with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as his kingdom community, we cannot do anything in our own strength, but only in the, the power and in the anointing of his Holy Spirit. And the scriptures clearly teach us this. Acts 1 verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And then in Ephesians 5, verse 12 to 20, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know too, we taught in Corinthians 2, that to each one of us, when we come to faith, the manifestation of his spirit is given for the common good. We are gifted with amazing gifts for the common good as well. Living as a kingdom community, friends, demands a constant and an intentional dependence on the Holy Spirit. And then another truth is that the kingdom of this world is in conflict with and it is radically different to the kingdom of our God. Ephesians 2, 1, 2, 3 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. The kingdom of this world is in conflict with and very, very different to the kingdom of God. And that's why in Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 12, we're told, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You need to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, his opposition to the kingdom of God. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, the kingdom of God, it is going to be counter-cultural in any place where the larger culture departs from God's truth and God's will. And so, by virtue of that, a kingdom community, it's invariably always going to be counter-cultural because every human culture departs from God's communicated truth. And where that happens, like we see it happening around us in our own society, we who are part of God's kingdom, we are bound to follow the Lord's call rather than that of the culture in which we find ourselves. And that means that we are often in conflict with the world and with the culture around us, and we do need to look radically different to it, even if that means that we are going to get rejected for that or persecuted for that. And that is why Jesus' prayer in John 17 is so beautiful. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. But my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The kingdom of this world, friends, is in conflict with and radically different to the kingdom of our God. And that means trials and hardships are absolutely going to play a very real part in all of our lives. And in fact, those trials and hardships often have a significant role to play in our own growth, perseverance, and even maturity in the Lord. And the last foundational truth I want to share today is that the kingdom of God 
It exists concurrently with the kingdom of this world until the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. At the moment, those two worlds are living in parallel, the kingdom of God existing concurrently with the kingdom of this world, but it will not always be so. And we're going to see the kingdom fully realized when Jesus comes again. Revelation 11.15 says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. I just want to share with you now just five perhaps take-home points or challenges that I hope will give you real fresh encouragement and motivation as we live out what it means to be a kingdom community. It's just really making this value real for all of us. So building on those truths, if we are to be a kingdom community, then absolutely number one, and the first thing to really land on and remember is that Jesus always has to be our center, our foundation, and the primary focus of our community. Who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and what he says, it shapes and defines who we are as a people. Because Jesus is, he is, as Ephesians says, he is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. All that we are and all that we do as a kingdom community has to be done under that rule and under that authority. And so that's the first question to each of us to ask ourselves today. Is Jesus our center? Is he our foundation? Is he our primary focus? And then if we are to be a kingdom community, we also value the role and the identity that every single believer has in this church. Because as Paul teaches us in Galatians 3, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is now neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's an amazing leveling that happens at the foot of the cross. And that means that every single member of this community, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender, regardless of their race, regardless of their skill level, is valued and needed by everyone else. So whether you are six years old, or whether you are nearly 98 years old, you are valued and you are needed. And we, we honor the role that you have in the body here. Everyone's participation is needed in a kingdom community. And I think that value is also expressed in the way we honor one another and the way we love each other as Jesus loved us too. That we treat people with equality regardless of where they've come from or how old they are or anything else. And so my question I want to ask you today is, what is your role that you are playing in this body? Have you embraced the fact that you are someone who is deeply valued here and someone who is deeply needed here? And what is the role that you are playing in this community? And then if we are to be a kingdom community, we really value equipping and enabling God's people to live kingdom lifestyles 
as we see evidenced in the life of Jesus. You know, as a kingdom community, we are a community of people who hopefully are growing in our understanding daily of the truth and are progressively coming to know that truth in, in our own lives, are also progressively being set free by it. And we so value the impact of walking in truth and freedom in every area of our lives. We don't want to compartmentalize our faith. Being a kingdom community excludes us from being Sunday Christians. It has to impact every day of our lives and every area of our lives. And we should be progressively walking in greater and greater freedom, both individually and also as a community, and looking more and more like Jesus did, loving people more and more like Jesus did. And so that's the question to challenge ourselves with today too. Is my life looking more like Jesus today than it did last week? We really value equipping and enabling God's community here to live kingdom lifestyles as we see in the life of Jesus. And that's why we value our small communities and things like life groups because we really see in those small spaces a greater degree of um, accountability, authenticity, and those are the most beautiful spaces to be equipped to live a kingdom lifestyle and to be encouraged and nurtured in that. And so really want to encourage you, if you're not connected in some way there, to really make that a, a, a reality. Then we value a deep reliance and a dependence on the Holy Spirit for every aspect of our Christian life and service. And as we've said earlier already, that every member of a kingdom community who has put their faith in Christ has been born again as a priest and dwelt with the Holy Spirit, equipped and gifted for building up the rest of the community. We are a community who, as our tagline says there, we've been called to continue the work of Jesus. And we are only ever going to be able to do that if we are trusting in the Holy Spirit's empowering and enabling. We are never going to be able to do that in and of ourselves. And so the personal question for you to ask there too is, where is your reliance and where is your dependence? Who are you trusting in for your strength and to do the works of ministry? And then lastly, we value the role that we have as a local church to demonstrate the goodness of the kingdom to a hurting and a watching world. As a kingdom community, we should always be looking for ways that we can humbly serve one another, but also as a kingdom community, we should always be looking for ways that we can humbly serve those that we've been sent to reach with the gospel. We don't exist for ourselves. We don't exist for our own comfort. We are not a country club. We are called to demonstrate the goodness of the kingdom to others wherever we find ourselves. We need to recognize that role. We are called as a local church to demonstrate the goodness of the kingdom in our workspaces, in our school environments, in university, in our community, in our gyms, um, out on the beach, wherever we may be. We have that amazing privilege of being able to bring the goodness of the kingdom to a world that is so desperately in need of it. And we want to see people 
been set free from the bondage of sin that has held them captive for too long. We want that in our own lives, but we also want that in the lives of the people that are in our communities. We want to see people experiencing freedom in Christ. And that's why when we sing songs like, I speak Jesus, like we really want to mean those words too. We want to see Jesus breaking through the darkness that is around us into those areas of light. And the question I want to ask you there too is, are you excited to have the privilege of being the one to bring his kingdom into the spaces that he has placed you? To bring his kingdom into your workplace? To bring his kingdom into the bank? To bring his kingdom into pick and pay? To be used of the Lord, to be his salt and light, wherever he may call you to do that. There is an, a, a song we often sing, um, it's Ring Collective's Build Your Kingdom Here. And I was just reflecting on the words of that this week because I just thought it's a song we sing so often, but it is in fact the most powerful lyrics around everything that it means to be a kingdom community. And so I want to, to end by actually reading those lyrics as a prayer because in fact we sing it as a prayer. It's a prayer of worship that we bring to God, and it's a prayer of just like, God, come. And this is what we need to see you doing. And so I want to pray that over us as a community, because I think it so beautifully summarizes and ties up everything that we are meant to be. And then after that, we are going to collectively pray as a community um, the Lord's Prayer. And I'll say more about that afterwards. But here, let these words sink into your hearts. This is our summarizing everything that it means for us to be a kingdom community and in fact our prayer for us in that space. God, come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church and we need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. We refuse to waste our lives because you are our joy and our prize. To see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor, at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause because we are your church. And we pray, revive this earth. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand. Heal our streets. Heal our land. Set our church on fire. Win this nation back. God, change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here, we pray. Unleash your kingdom's power, reaching near and far. No force of hell can stop your beauty changing hearts. You made us for much more than this. Awake that kingdom seed in us. Fill us with the strength and love of Christ. We are your church. We are your hope on earth. This past week, it's been a week of focused prayer for us as a local community. And that most famous, the most famous prayer, I think, is the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6 verse 9. And in reflecting on that prayer this week, I just realized this prayer given to us by Jesus is a beautiful pattern for the way that we should pray as kingdom people. 
And I think it really reveals to us the heart of what it means to be God's community. And so I want us to, um, not just yet, but very soon, I want us to stand together in unity and actually pray that prayer together. And then we're going to flow from that straight into a worship space and live out this value of being a kingdom community, trusting the Lord to lead us and guide us as we go. So I'm going to ask the worship team just to quietly come up. Well, I'll just unpack a few things before we pray it. Because um, I want us to pray this with deeply understanding the words that we are saying. A beautiful pattern here for what it means to be a kingdom community. We pray our Father because the gospel brings us back into a relationship as children of our God. And we have a Father who wants us to enjoy his love with that level of intimacy. Our Father. And I love the hour before. This is a community prayer. It's not my Father who art in heaven. It's our Father in heaven. It understands we're part of something bigger. In heaven, we acknowledge the present realm where the kingdom will of God is always being perfectly carried out. And hallowed be your name. When that prayer we're acknowledging, we are proclaiming, we are recognizing the holiness of the Father, and we are acknowledging that he is the one who is truly King of kings and Lord of lords, the most perfect ruler in existence. And then these powerful, powerful lines, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A real pulling of the kingdom into the here and the now. In other words, we're saying, God, may your government, may your dynamic reign and rule permeate and change our lives now. May your dynamic reign and rule change the lives of our families, change the lives of our communities, our nation, the affairs of the whole world. We are praying in that for the extension and the advance of his kingdom, believing that his kingdom can be done on earth now as it's done in heaven. And give us today our daily bread. We stand praying, God, we need the resources. We need you to provide the resources we need on a daily basis to be your people. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin us. We pray for forgiveness for the way we've often failed at being kingdom people. Lead us not into temptation, we pray for protection and deliverance from those things that would draw us from living and demonstrating the life of the kingdom and deliver us from the evil one. We pray for protection from the evil one who is constantly going to be trying to draw us away from our Heavenly Father and also to frustrate and to discredit our witness for the kingdom. So let's stand united as a body now. And together, we're going to come in prayer and pray this to the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from the evil one. For thine is the the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.